cannot uh, imagine that uh, because so many people have uh, have recovered from COVID-19, and then we also imagine it is, is such a simple thing. So you want to uh, become careless and uh, also contract the same. Let's be careful that uh, we protect ourselves and our own families because one person getting it, that means uh, the family is likely to get the uh, the same uh, sickness because uh, that person is part of the family. It's very, very, very difficult to uh, avoid uh, avoid it when he, when one person has got it. So put on the mask and put on properly because it is very, very necessary is uh, to put on the mask in the right way. So God has helped us and here we are, he are still alive. He has done so much for us, like we were singing, he has done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He has really done it so much for me. He has done it so much for every one of us, has a testimony on what the Lord has uh, done for us. And we can't even tell it all, we can't even mention it all because he has done it for us. He has really done it for us. So we just have to keep thanking him and uh, keep uh, uh, blessing him, keep uh, lifting his name and uh, giving him all the glory for all that he has done because we cannot keep ourselves uh, sufficiently well. But God, the Bible says the watchmen do it, they watch in, in vain. Unless the Lord uh, watches or keeps the city, watchmen do it in vain. And so we are to do that which a man can do, and then the whole at once we know it is God. The whole thing is God that does uh, the greatest uh, for us. But we are to do what man can do, what God expects us to do as human beings. And so here in the word of God, while looking at the message my pastor gave, uh, we saw quite many things, many statements here. Uh, when we are looking at the biblical uh, doctrine of coordination. It's a message that he delivered on Fridays. Normally, nowadays it's only on Fridays because of the of the many many uh, programs that he has after the churches have be, had been opened. And so, many of you, I discovered, you are not following this, and of course, like a uh, in our country now recently we do not have uh, internet so we shall have to wait until internet is restored and then we uh, we can uh, again follow the message those of us that are interested maybe some of you could have heard that they have restored the internet okay.
Raymond says it is still, God was restored, it is still wavering. So, we are looking at here uh, statements in the Word of God that uh, God uh, exerts His influence, His sovereign influence upon uh, His children. And uh, when He does that, uh, in no way does He take away our free, our exercise of our own free will. Man can still exercise his uh, free will. That's why uh, we are going to be accountable uh, to God because we exercise our uh, free will. Mm-hmm. So we also looked at the uh, scriptures that were so uh, encouraging and so uh, telling us how God is so strong, God is so big, God declares the end from the beginning. Uh, God is so powerful. He does uh, quite a lot. Nobody should ever threaten uh, threaten you uh, that maybe you are going to die unless you uh, you do this and do that. Nobody should threaten you that you never have this or never have that. You see, God. That absolutely, that is responsible. The one that's holding all our lives is the one that is actually uh, ministering unto us. And we looked at the scripture in the, in the Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, that says, There are many devices in man's hearts. In the book of Proverbs chapter 19, verse uh, 21, if we can uh, begin from there. Then we continue. The scripture says here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand is only the counsel of the Lord that will stand. You can devise, you can plan to do so many things. You can plan to do so many things for yourself. Even as the year is beginning, you can have a New Year's resolution and say, this year we like to do this, we like to do... It's not bad, we have already said that God works with good planning. It's not bad to plan, but as you plan, always pray that God, let that which I'm putting before you be according to your will. Because it is, at the end of it all, it's the Lord's will that is going to prevail and not man's will. At the end of it all, is the Lord's will that's going to uh, prevail. You can plan to do something, but everything will be in line with what God has willed. If God has not willed that to, to be done, you will not perform it. You will not uh, fulfill it because it is not within uh, the will of God. And so... It doesn't make any difference what an individual wants to do, but if he, what he wants to do gets into God's way, then God will negate uh, his counsel. God will frustrate man's counsel. Uh, God will uh, frustrate that plan of yours so that you can conform uh, to the will of God. 
Absolutely, you can conform to the will of God because God is all powerful. Absolutely, God is all powerful. Mm -hmm. He is all powerful, all knowing. And we also concluded by saying we are not robots, we will be accountable to God. Always uh, pray, Lord, uh, even as I make this decision, let it be according to your will. Uh, this decision that I am making, let it be according to your will. As I decide to do uh, this, uh, let it be according to your will, because at the end of it all, it is the Lord's will that will stand. It's not your will. And so, we have to uh, be uh, prayerful as children of God. We have to be prayerful. And so, uh, you look at the scriptures that says God hardened the Pharaoh's heart, and it sounds as though uh, God made the uh, Pharaoh to be a robot. But uh, we will look at those, uh, those, uh, those scriptures. Let's look at uh, four different ways that God deals with an individual. There are at least four different ways that God deals with an individual. They are, God governs man for the purpose of accomplishing his holy ends. No man can stop what God intends to do. Mm -hmm. And we look at one scripture here. Uh, Psalms 115 verse 3 But our God is in the heavens He has done whatsoever He has pleased our God is in the heavens. He has done what he has pleased. Uh, he has done what he has pleased. God will always do his pleasure. None of us can stop God. None of us can change the mind of God. Another scripture says, for he is in one mind, who can turn him? It's good to pray, it's good to fast, that is biblical, but my fasting, my praying cannot change the mind of God. In Psalms 135, verse 6, Fasting is meant to turn our hearts. Praying is meant to turn our hearts, soften our hearts. It cannot change the mind of God. No. It is you, as you pray, God softens your heart for you to be in a position that you can now align yourself in such a way that you can now receive the blessings of God that He, he wants you to have. Mm -hmm. 
but you cannot change the mind of God. Even when you declare a dry fast for 40 days, it might end up to be a hunger strike. Because if God is not in line with what you want to do, you will still not do it. You will not still achieve it. Because he is in one mind. In Psalms 135, verse 6, the scripture says, Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas and all the places. You see, whatever God pleased, he did. Whether it's in the heavens or in the earth or in the seas, no situation can stop what God has pleased you to do. Nothing. Nothing. Nobody can stop what God has pleased to do. No one is strong enough to divert the mind of God and say now, for me I've changed God's mind. Now he's going to do according to my will. Jonah chapter 1, the book of Jonah, let's look at us. another scripture here, the book of Jonah chapter 1, and we are going to look at verse 14. Look at the book of Jonah. It's important that we look at these scriptures and the word of God because sometimes we uh, we feel that we, we, we put a lot of strength on man and we put little strength on God. Mm -hmm. God can do absolutely anything according to how he has pleased. And nobody and nothing can stop God. He says, ah, for me, I'm strong enough, I'm going to, uh, to stop God. I'm going to change the mind of God. That one will be an exercise in futility. Because to want to work, God still remains God. And man has to remain man. This lesson seeks to abase us, to put us, this lesson puts us in our rightful position, puts man, puts the children of God in our, in our rightful position. And let God uh, have his rightful position in our lives and in our eyes. Because sometimes we think we fear man more than we fear God. Many of us fear man more than we fear God. That's why we have always had a statement that says, What will they say if I don't go? What will they say if I don't go? If I don't do it, uh, what are they going to say? Hmm? Uh, you see, we have such statements in our, 
the vocabulary. What are they going to say? How will it look? What, what you are saying is that uh, you are fearing man uh, more than God. When it comes to doing the comparing the will of God with, the, with what man has decided to do, it's always best for a child of God to take the will of God. Here was the story of Jonah. If you have read this small book, which is so small that you can read it within, within one day, one day only, just a few short chapters. There are four short, short, short chapters. It's a very good uh, uh, book. Mm. So, Jonah escapes from uh, where the Lord had sent him to go. The Lord had sent him to Nineveh. Jonah absolutely uh, seeks to go his own way. And uh, going his own way, he finds a, a boat or a ship going to, uh, to some other place. And what does he do? He, he goes ahead and he pays for the, the fare. He also joins the rest of the passengers. Along the way, the ship, the waves begin now uh, disturbing them in, uh, in that ship of theirs or in that boat to whereby they cry to God. He said, what could be the, the problem? Mm. Uh, here is when they even cast lots. Mm. They ask him, uh, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And when they come as thou, what is thy country? And of what people art thou? If we, from, I'm reading from verse 8. Now verse 9 says, And he said unto them, Jonah tells them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had tried, he had told them. Then he said, uh, they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may come unto us? For the sea rout and was tempted And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be come unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. You see, God can do anything in order to show you that you have gone astray. But many times we don't even realize God is speaking to us. Nevertheless, they tried, you know, they feared for the life of Jonah. Verse 13, the men roared hard uh, to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempted against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man is alive, and lay not upon us innocent blood. 
For thou, O Lord, hast done as it has pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth in the sea. And the sea stopped raging right there. So, right there, even in the waters, God was showing his strength. God was showing his being in charge. Even in the sea, eh? even in the seas, you see? Just like we read in Psalms 135, Whatever he, he pleased him, whether it is in the heavens or on the seas, God does it. Now here is the sea, and they are trying to sail on the, in the boat. You would imagine that maybe God is not there in the waters. God has no control over the waves. He has. He really has. So, these men had the understanding that actually God had to do according to the way he wanted it, to the way he pleased. So the way God governs a wicked man, he all governs all of us until we turn to that which the Lord absolutely has ordained in our lives to do. When you continue reading the story about Jonah, Jonah had to, to submit to the will of God. Later he had to go to Nineveh. Even after coming after the fish, having vomited him out of his belly. To see how God is right in the control of all things. He kept Jonah alive without being digested right in the belly of the fish. He came out looking in a funny way, but he was alive and able to walk to go to Nineveh. Until he fulfilled what God wanted him to do in his life. We can fight the will of God, but we will never succeed. We can never succeed. When God wants you to go somewhere else, and for you are bent on going somewhere else, God has all the means. He can use the environment, he can use the people to turn against you, like the people turned against uh, Joseph's brothers, turned against him, just to fulfill what God had intended for Joseph to be. Right there. God can use anything. For you thinking now, everyone has turned against me. There is a purpose. There is a reason. There could be a hidden reason that you may not be knowing. Until you, they ended up selling their only brother. But in the end of it all, we see that God intended to use Joseph in order to save much people, to save the nation of Israel. Otherwise, they would have died of famine right there. God governs man for the purpose of accomplishing his own holy ends. God governs man 
for the purpose of accomplishing his own holy ends by the following methods. We said, we mentioned before. One, a restraining influence. This one I'm just going to read, then maybe we shall open scriptures later. A restraining influence. This one has, this one has happened in most of our lives. If you are an adult, Sometimes you could have thought of doing something and somehow you feel restrained. You really wanted to do it or say something, but you keep off. You really keep off. It could be that God is the one who restrained you. Sometimes you can really be said, I said, this today, I am going to speak my mind out to this boss of mine, or to this fellow. But when you reach there, again you feel, you know, not because you have forgotten everything, but you know, you feel restrained. You feel restrained, and you just leave it. It could have been God restraining you. Whether it is a wicked people, wicked men, man can come. I remember one time when we were in Toro, Brother Patrick is here, bears witness. A man who had come with a gun, he would have shot at somebody. But God restrained this man until he became, he, he, he looked as though he didn't have a gun. Hmm? Absolutely. He started even fearing for his own life. God restrained the man until he never even uh, cocked his, uh, his gun to shoot. He was instead directed where to go and he quickly moved away, never harming anyone at all. God can restrain. Somebody can be bought to kill another. But you know, at the very spot, God can restrain. If God still wants this person to be alive, God can restrain that person that he does nothing. He has everything that he takes to kill, but he will not. One person is Brother Pio. When Isobe hired a gunman to kill him for not submitting to his desires, hmm? Until these people came and confessed to Brother Pio and said, you know what? Your very housemate had bought us and gave us even money to do it with you. But somehow, I don't see the reason. He even took the money. They even took the money from the other student because the student was a minister's child. At that time, they, people who go with all the money they, they want, in their, for their pocket money. They couldn't kill Brother Pio because, one, it was not God's uh, time for him to die, and so God restrained the killer, and he said they come and confess to him. So that is one way God does. He exerts a restraining influence. Hmm? 
many, many, many times God exerts a restraining influence until you do what? You restrain yourself. You see no, no clear reason why you should not do that which you have planned to do, but you end up not doing. Not because you have become too weak. No. It's God at work. That's one way God governs in the lives of, of people. We shall see a few examples. Two is a softening influence. This one you can, there are many examples that you, if you know that you have them in your, you have passed through. You can, you know, vow, never, I will give an example of maybe lending out money or giving money to somebody, say, the way that person has treated me, I will never give him or her any of my money again, never. You can even say over my dead body. But somehow, one day when that fellow comes, God can soften your heart and say, ah, even if I had vowed, you even remember that you had vowed, but you eventually do what? Let me just give him a little. And you give. You remember what the word of God says, don't pay evil, evil for evil. He said, ah, anyway, even when I had vowed, let me give him the money. Hmm? You can swear or vow, but later you feel your heart being softened. That could be God had a plan and you couldn't do what you wanted to do. God wanted you to fulfill that plan by doing that. Number three is a directing influence. Here is where you, you really don't understand. You had intended to go somewhere else. You had intended to do something else. Maybe you had intended to do a different course. Maybe you had wanted to join the army, but God somehow directs you to do a different course altogether. Like I was giving my example yesterday, for me I wanted to do medicine. But God arranged the situations right from my senior four, third term. See, events started aligning themselves in such a way that they were directing me where I didn't want to go because I had almost vowed never to be, uh, to take up that profession of being a teacher, never. But then God was had to govern my life. 
Even when I had all the admission letter to go for my father's studies, Dawson, God touched my father and he refused to give me the money for. He said, if you have your own money, you go and you continue with your studies. I ended up going to do the course. Initially, I never intended to. This can be seen in many, in many of our lives, actually. You had not intended to live in a certain place. I, again, for me, I had feared to stay to, to to live, I never, of all places in Uganda, I never expected that I would ever stay, even in the north, even for one day like this. Never. Why? In primary, we had been taught that uh, the tribes in the north are warlike tribes. And being a person who fears war, I said, ah, and what made it worse was my hobbies. There were, I had hobbies that were coming from this way. We had a boy who was called Onekhalit. That was his name. We didn't know the meaning, but his actions, what he could do to the teachers and even the fellow students, to the cooks, we just said, where is he from? From the north. That's why now made it was I said, no, I can live in my village or in my district until I die, or somewhere else, but not the north. I'd never. Now, God was just looking at me and says, this one doesn't know. What happened? I have now lived in this place for more than uh, 20 years. Absolutely. That's what God wanted me to do. To, this is where God wanted me to live. And I have no intentions of going to settle in my village and say, let me live in my village now. But I know this is where God called me to serve him. Praise our God. God wanted me to accomplish his holy ends, which I did not know. Completely, I did not know. Number four is a hardening influence. This is almost a restraining, it's a similar to the restraining influence of God. Sometimes you want to take a journey. You even have the transport. Maybe you want to go using the first bus and God somehow hardens your heart, but why go so early? Eh? 
Later on, you hear that the first taxi that actually left you got a, got a, was involved in an accident. Mm-hmm. Then you, you, you remain thanking God. By the way, sometimes, have you, a, vehicle has a, a vehicle ever left you and then you, you, you feel so bad because you would have caught up with the program we are going for. But then, later on, you hear on the news that, oh, you know the taxi that left you people was involved in an accident. That's when you say, oh God, forgive me, because I was set. But somehow again, God had in my heart, and I ended up not going. That's why, as children of God, we should pray, because you'll be able to sense, live a life of prayer. That's why I keep encouraging everyone who does not have the person of the Holy Ghost, pray until God fills you with his spirit. Because you can be able to sense that probably this is God leading me. And sometimes the will of God is not sweet, but we do well to flow with God. Paul was determined. At that time, he was still being called the Saul of Tarsus. Was determined to harm the early Christians. He really hurt many of them. But then, he was taught his heart to kick against the pricks. Paul, who was actually Saul, he had to ask, Lord, what would you have me to do? Here in the book of Acts, chapter 9. This is a familiar story that we know when the Lord made Saul made so Tarsus. Read from I read verse five here, and now this is so. Who has who art thou, Lord? The Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He trembling and astonished, said, Lord, we ought to thou have me to do. And right there, the Lord directs him to Ananias. Every child of God should desire to do the will of God. As a saved child of God, find out the will of God for you in that area. Don't just live a life, life like maybe a beast, the one which moves by instinct, an animal that moves by instinct. Be prayerful. Surrender. Also be willing to surrender your will to God. That even when he leads you to go, uh, to go through the fire, who knows why he allows you to go through that fire? Even when God allows you to go through a desert environment, he will be with you 
he promised he will be with you. Like he was with the, uh, the three Hebrew men when they were in the fire. God was with Daniel in the den of lions. The Lord was there with him. Even when he never wanted to be in the lions. Who of us could have wished to, to go and have company with lions? You just know lions would devour me up. But there was Daniel in the den of lions. He ended up being thrown there. But God, because he promised, he had to ask to wash out the mouth of the lions and they did not harm him. Even these that were in the fire, which they hit seven times, the fire never hurt them. Why? The Lord was there with them. There are so many valleys to cross and mountains to, to climb, but the Lord, even as he promised, will be there with us. This should teach us to desire to do the will of God. Whether it is looks hard in your life, if it is the will of God, that is the best for you. You may be in the fire, but because you are doing the will of God, you will feel such a satisfaction, such a joy, and such a peace of the Lord in your heart to where you will successfully Stay right there in the fire or be on the line for the sake of the will of God for your life. It's hard to do the will of God. The will of God many times is against our will. Many, many times the will of God is against our will. Before I come to Ephesians, but let's look at a, a scripture here in the book of Genesis. Uh, the scripture here in the book of Genesis, not Genesis, but Exodus 9, verse 7. Exodus 9, and verse 7. This was, this is a story when he, the Lord was doing, uh, performing miracles in the land of Egypt, throwing plagues, hitting the Egyptians while the land of Goshen was safe. And now, God tells Moses, tell him now to let my people go and saw me. But then, Pharaoh could not release the children of Israel. Why? God 
exerted a hardening influence in the life of Pharaoh. For God to accomplish his holy ends. Exodus 9, uh, verse 17. I know verse 7 is, pardon me. And the Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites that died that was dead. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. He did not let the people go. He did not let the people go. Also here, I think it is in chapter uh, 10. Uh, we get uh, chapter 10 of the same book of Exodus. One plague after another was hitting the Egyptians, including even Pharaoh's uh, family members. Yeah? But uh, because it was not yet time for this man to release the children of Israel, God was governing his heart. And the Lord said unto Moses, verse 1, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show this my signs before him. And there God speaks of one of the signs, one of the reasons. He said, I, I want to show these signs. Those signs that God was talking of were plagues that were hitting the nation of Israel, the inhabitants of, of Israel. So, God exerts his sovereign influence over our lives. To some point, and then he leaves us to exercise our own free will. His sovereign influence over our lives in no way negates or overrides our exercise. Our, our, our ability to exercise our own free will to do something. To the level that even when we are doing that is something, we do it willingly. Like a pharaoh was hardening his heart willingly. He knew it was him who wanted the Israelites to continue serving. To continue serving. He would remember, if I let these people go, they are not going to serve us. They are not going to serve us. So, mm, he hardens. For him, he was thinking it is him that is hardening his heart. But behind him, God was exerting his influence upon his life. To some point, and here is a Pharaoh, and he belonged to himself. He knew it was him that was doing the work. Only God here speaks, actually, I have had in his heart so that I can show more signs to these people or the, or, or, or in Egypt. We looked at another example of Abimelech. Uh, that is in the book of uh, Genesis. Which chapter was that? Let's look at Abimelech here. Abimelech, 
confesses and says, no, God. 20. Here in the book of Genesis chapter 20. This was the time when Abraham again had moved with Sarah, his wife. The Sarah was such a beautiful lady. You can imagine at the age of 90 years, she was still a beauty contest. Men were still admiring her. Hmm? At 90, Abraham told his wife, you tell them, I'm your brother, because I know for you a beautiful lady. They might kill me because of you. And when they ask me, I'll tell them, you are my sister. Mm. They go. As they moved on, where do they land? Verse 1, Genesis chapter 20. Abraham journeyed from Athens toward the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and, and Shur. The sergeant in Gera, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gera, sent and took Sarah. Hmm? But, again, go, go, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, hmm? you see what now God tells Abimelech, uh, in a dream by night, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. What does Abimelech say in verse 4? Hmm? But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, now that he had, had not slept with her, he said, Lord, will thou slay also a righteous nation? In other words, Abimelech was saying, I'm innocent. Hmm? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. Now you see the words of Abimelech. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, have I done this? Abraham, Abimelech knew that because of his integrity, he had kept himself from touching who? Sarah. Or from committing adultery with Sarah. God tells him in verse six in, a, in a verse six in a dream, yeah, I know that thou didest this in the integrity of thy heart, for I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. You see that? We are saying God exercises his sovereign influence over our lives. But then he does not remove our exercise of our own free will. When you are doing something, you think you are actually, you have thought over it and you have decided to now do it by yourself. That was in the mind of Abimelech. Abimelech here has told, yes, Whereas you, it was in the integrity of your own heart and, uh, you know, you decided not to touch her, but I also 
restrained you. God exercised a restraining influence in the heart of this king that he could not commit adultery with Abraham's wife. And he withheld him. But when Abimelech was doing it, he knew it was him doing it. I have just kept myself, absolutely, I have just kept myself from sinning against my soul. And so I'm innocent. God shows him, I have played my part. That's why it has not happened that way. That's why it has been so. So, God exerts his influence. He governs in our lives by either softening influence, directing influence, hardening influence, or restraining influence. He leads us all our lives. But for us, we think we are carrying out your normal activities. You are carrying out your normal activities. What you are going to do when God knows it's going to get into the way of him accomplishing his holy ends, he will not allow you to accomplish it. Absolutely. Until you conform to his uh, will, that is when you go ahead uh, to allow you to do what he, you are doing. So, I was saying, sometimes the will of God is not sweet. Absolutely, it's not sweet. But if it is the will of God, do it and God will bless you. If when you find out it is God's will, do it and the Lord will bless you. Absolutely. So let's now look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of, of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. God created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. The manifold wisdom of God. Right there. Yesterday, we had other scriptures that we opened. And it said, Everyone of us is given the measure of faith. The measure, according to the measure. Measure. God gives us a certain measure of grace to do what we can do. I quoted that scripture yesterday, and the, uh, 
I remember saying that absolutely none of us should uh, be proud over the other because of what we have done, because it is the measure of grace that has been given to you. Uh, what scripture is that? I gave it to you yesterday. According to the measure, hmm? here it is in the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. We are still in Ephesians. Write this scripture also, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. But unto everyone of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. According to the measure. Everyone of us, no matter what you are able to do, just know it's the grace of God that has enabled you to do. If you can pray more than others, don't boast over that because it is the grace of God that has enabled you to do that. If you can give more than others, whether it is in the pledges, whether it is your tithes, if you can give more than others, it's because God has measured grace to you. Someone can come even with a lot of money in the church, but because God has not touched them to have that grace to give, they may not even give a single shilling out of the much money they have. Not because it is someone who's dead money that they have come to pay, but that is their only profits that they have made out of business. Someone can come with a lot of money. And even if the pastor says, we have a need for this and that and that, the person will never give unless God has measured the grace unto him to give. If you are able to give a little more than others, just know it's the grace of God that has enabled you to give. God has measured more grace unto you than the other one. So don't boast over them. Don't, don't somehow be exalted and say, for you, you are now more righteous than others. Just know it is the grace of God. If you are able to serve God more than others, whether it is in a choir or band, just know it's the grace of God that has enabled you to do that. Otherwise, if it were not so, you would have not done what you are doing or what you have done. Because God measures to every one of us, the scripture says, and to every one of us, he measures, he measures, he measures. And then that's when you are able to do much more than the other. You are able to see more better than the other. You are able to, uh, to, to witness, to evangelize more than the other. You are able to, you know what, to do what you are doing in serving God. It's because of the measure of the grace God has given unto you. And here in Ephesians uh, chapter 3 where we are reading verse 7 to 11, we are seeing that uh, God made Paul a minister. You see, verse 7, 
Paul acknowledges, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me. Hmm? Me who is less than the least of all saints. He says, God give me grace. Paul was, in others, was saying, I'm not even worthy. Oh, may God help us. Oh, that we shall remain humble and always lift up the name of Jesus. Let me glory in the Lord. Let me glory in the Lord. Let my one desire be to lift my Jesus higher. Let me glory in the Lord. Let me glory in the Lord. Let me So, uh, every one of us, every child of God should have this knowledge that if at all I ever be anything in the sight of God, it's because of the grace of God. If I ever be profitable at all in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's because of the grace of God. Whether it's me, the pastor, whether it is you, the elders, whether it is you, the child of God, whatever you are doing, you are serving God. Just know it's the grace of God. Let's learn to lift up the name of the Lord more than ourselves. Many times we, we want to show people that it's my, it is my wisdom, it's my knowledge. It's because I went, I studied a lot of books of philosophy and psychology. That's why I'm able to handle such kind of things. Always know you should learn to ascribe all the glory unto God, not unto yourself, not unto me, not unto me, Lord, but unto you. That's the, the attitude a child of God should have. So, verse 9 says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the ministry, which from the beginning of the world has been hidden in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. He created, God created all things by Jesus Christ. In other words, before there was ever a second entity, uh, God created in the in the universe. Uh, he he absolutely uh, he created. The, uh, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, whom we now know that He created the rest of the things in the entire universe, in the entire world. Now He uses Christ to do all all the work. Mm -hmm. 
He knows, God knows what he would do with all of us at what time. He really knows. The purpose of the church is to make many know hmm, the plan that God had to redeem mankind. To tell other people how God loved us and how he sustains us. One of the cardinal purposes of the church is for us to evangelize to the community and tell this community and show them the true salvation. Many people are asking, are there 70 people on earth anywhere? The answer is yes. They are there. Why do they ask such questions? Because they have been taken advantage of. They have been shocked by people who they thought they were saved, but they were not. The church is to manifest the, that is, which was hidden from uh, the world. Like this scripture says here, the manifold uh, wisdom of God, in verse 10, to the intent that now and to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. The church is the highest agency of God on earth, the church of Jesus Christ is the highest agency just like you can have we had we had recently 11 presidential candidates everyone had their agents 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 working on the behalf of that man or that lady mm -hmm. the church is the highest agency absolutely mm -hmm. of god on earth we represent we represent the architecture. We are to represent the architecture. Wisdom of God. The intention of God. People are to look at us and say, oh my, it's good to serve God. It's good to be saved. It's good to serve God. There is no institution on earth that God has raised up to represent himself or unfold himself, to manifest himself, or to explain himself to his creation, but it is the church. No other institution that God has raised up to represent him, apart from the church. And so in the church, God manifests himself. People see what God can do from the church. People see the wisdom of God from the church. People see the wonders of God from the church. People see, they look and say, oh my, is this so and so? Because they knew you before you got saved. Now, they see a different, totally different person who has been recovered by the grace of God through the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. Thank God for the church. 
That's why we must love church. Absolutely, we must love church because in the church, God explains himself to us. God explains himself to the creation. God explains himself to us. So, uh, God first wants you to understand what he's doing and then through our obedience or your, through your obedience and cooperation, the entire universe is to understand what God is doing. The entire universe then comes to understand what God is doing. If the members in this church can understand what God is doing, then through your obedience, the more we obey the word of God, this is what it means, the more you obey the word of God, the more areas in your life are absolutely corrected. You allow God to correct, make corrections through his word to the intent that after some time, Jesus Christ said to his disciples, he said, you are now clean through the words that I have spoken to you. Those disciples were not cleaned through maybe colleges, maybe university colleges, or colleges of philosophies. They were cleaned as a result of listening to the words that Jesus Christ spoke to them. So if we can only obey what God is telling us in the church, then we will be living epistles known and read by all men. So in the church is to explain how God saved us and how God loves us. And why, why it is so good to be saved, you the saved person, even before you open up your mouth that you are preaching Jesus, your very lifestyle shows your neighbor the goodness of God, absolutely shows what God can do in the life until someone says, eh, what God can do. This is unbelievable. Is this so and so? God is actually there. So God purposed to use the church as his educational institution to unfold his wisdom. God purposed to use the church as his educational institution to unfold his wisdom. The church is to show the rest of the world, the rest of the creation, the wisdom of God. Acts chapter 4, verse 27 to 28. Here in Acts chapter 4, verse 27 to 28. For the truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast 
anointed both Herod and Pontius, Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. To do. All these people were gathered together, the Gentiles, including Herod, including Pontius Pilate, and the people of Israel were gathered together. Verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Again, yesterday we looked at the scripture that says, it's the counsel of God that will stand. There are many devices in man's heart, but only the counsel of God will stand. These people were gathered to do whatever God had already determined to be done. They were gathered to do the will of God. God had determined that that be done unto his holy son. So, they never shocked God. Where could God could say, I never imagined that people would do this unto my son. Never. God was not shocked. In this particular case, God did not look down in the telescope of time and saw what Israel would be doing to his son. Maybe around AD 30. Then maybe God would align himself and put a plan how to resurrect Jesus. No. God did not just look through the telescope of time hmm, and see what Israel was going to do on his son, Jesus. Then after that, God would align himself and say, okay, because they are going to do this to him, let me now prepare a resurrection for my son, Jesus. It wasn't so. God is in charge, in charge. God determined what he would do before ever a nation of Israel ever existed. He did that from the foundation of the world. God never just for us one said, oh, this is what is going to happen to my son. Let me now, let me now prepare a resurrection for him. No. God is in total control. Israel was doing what they were doing freely. But we must know 
that God had ordained it. As these people were doing what they were doing, crucify, I'm talking about crucifying Jesus, you know, persecuting him and then eventually crucifying him. Whether they, whatever they were doing, they were exercising their own free will. For them, they knew they were doing their own free will, exercising their own free will. But they were still doing the will of God and it be known to them. They just accomplished what God had ordained. They just accomplished what God had ordained. And we, as believers, as children of God, would have, wouldn't have gotten saved because the Lord demanded that a sinner must die. Somebody who is sinless had to die for us. Praise our God. Somebody who is sinless had to die for us. Had to die because of our sins. So God is in control. At one time, this pirate said, don't you know, when he asked him, are you really the king of, of the Jews? You say, Jesus kept quiet. Then he told him, don't you know that I have power to set you free and also to let you be crucified? <laughs> Jesus Christ politely said, you couldn't have got that power if God had not given it to you. As what Jesus absolutely knew. That's why he said to this end, came I into this world. He knew. Where is that scripture? I gave it to you recently. He knew. Absolutely he knew that that was the purpose. So even when this king was saying, don't you know that I have power to set you free? And even to let you be what crucified. Jesus knew in his heart. In John 18, verse 27. Let's look at it again. Here in John chapter 18. You said John 18, verse 37. Pilate, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. There's where again he was asked and he just kept quiet. 
Then later, when he, this one was saying, don't you know I have power? Hmm? He said, because of his office, I have power to set you free or to crucify. Jesus knew why he came into this world. He really knew. But this gentleman says now, don't you know I have power? Christ knew if God is not if God hadn't given you that power, you wouldn't have practiced it over me. All those bad things happening to you, just know God permits them to come your way. Nothing can go out of place from the hands of God. Whether it is a loss of a relative, loss of your dear ones, or whether it is a losing a job, whether it is a, you know, losing a marriage, God is in control. There's nothing that comes upon you that God has not permitted. That's why another, another scripture says, who says, and it comes to pass when the Lord has commanded it not. That's the Lamentations, chapter three. Hmm? Who says, and it comes to pass, you can say, ah, for me, they cast me. I'm not going to give birth. They said, my auntie, before she died, she cast me. And you say you're a believer. It's just because you lack some knowledge for you to, to have such a confession. For me, they said, praise God, my brothers and sisters. For me, before my auntie died, he said that I'll never give birth. Hmm? Here in the book of Lamentations, chapter Lamentation is after the book of Jeremiah. Chapter Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 37. Who is he that says, and it comes to pass when the Lord commandeth it not? Hmm? Who is he? Out of the mouth of the most high proceedeth not even good. Wherefore doth a man, a living man, complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Like we were learning last Sunday. Sometimes you can have personal judgment uh, from God. God can judge you as a person. But that's not what I'm talking about today. Today, I'm showing that God is in the control 
and that God does not foresee something that he never decreed. He doesn't foresee. Say, now I'm looking through 100 years from now, this thing is going to happen. Oh, 20 years from now, this thing is going to happen. No. Whatever, everything that happens, that, that absolutely God foresees, it's because he decreed it. And so it will come to pass. He is in knowledge. He, is in, he knows all things. Nothing can go out of God's own hand and say, oh, that one has defeated me. Oh, it is us. That is within us, man. Ah, I have tried, but I've done what? I've failed. You have tried, and you have reached where your strength can reach you. And so you couldn't go further. God cannot also explain, exclaim like that. Oh, I've failed. This time, I've been defeated. Man has beaten me. Hmm? Nothing. If God, listen to this, this message should mature us to whereby we shall have faith. We should have faith in God because He is the one in the control of all our lives. If God is not in the control and is at the mass of history, then history becomes God Himself. But we should know that God is not at the mercy of history or events. If somehow God looked through the telescope of history and God had maybe to weave his events he send his son at a particular time, then he fit in himself also at a particular time. Yeah. Then that shows that God is at the mass of history. And the scriptures that we have read become false. But God is in the control. He is the porter and we are Declare. God is the potter. We are the clay. However fierce a man can be, God is just in control of that man. That's why Nehemiah had to pray. Say, God, softened the, the heart of this man because he was the king's cupbearer. He said, I want to go and get permission from him so that I can go. After I had learned of the captivity of the children of Israel who had, who had remained and they were in bondage, he prayed and the walls of Jerusalem had been burned. Nehemiah prayed, said, God, give me favor in the sight of this one king. God 
Another scripture says that he turns the heart of man. He directs it like a king. Where is that? Like, like a, a river. Where he wants it to flow. God has got that power. Hmm? He can. In other words, he can soften that man's heart. Where you think your husband is too hard. Some wives know their husbands as people who are mukonogam. It's uh, my husband is a very hard man. The, you can't compare him to God. He's in the hands of God. You just pray, commit that man in God's hands. But first, change your attitude as you pray. Pray God to turn your attitude. You will see how God will turn the heart of that man whom you think is so hard. Mm -hmm. Has someone seen that scripture? We should know that history is at the mass of God. God doesn't align himself with the unfolding events of history. He doesn't see the telescope of time and see that oh, something is going to happen. Then let me, God, align myself to this event. No. History is not God. And the child of God should never believe in the story of a, the theory of evolution. Mm. Neither is history the unfolding events uh, of evolution, as humanists tell us that it is. You will never believe in such kind of stories. Anyway, for our children that are still at school, you can answer examinations according to how your teacher has given you, just to pass that paper. For to do whatsoever thy hand determined to do. That is what we read in Acts chapter, Acts chapter uh, 4. God had determined what was uh, done. God didn't just blend himself with the unfolding events of history whether it is happening in the earth. God created the history. History, like someone said, actually, it is God's story. It is his story. Man can brag, oh, that man has made history. It's God who allowed all those events God was exercising his influence through all those human beings. Like you see events taking place in the world, all those are lining up. The mega trends, when we learned about the mega trends, events must align up themselves to, to suit in what God ordained the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But before that, Issues to do with the battle of Armageddon and the plagues has to, to hit this world. So, 
Nothing is happening that God did not decree or permit. Nothing is happening, or you can say nothing happens that God didn't decree or permit. Whether it is wars that we see, don't think God cannot stop those wars. God, God has, has every plan. He can use any means to stop any war anywhere. God can soften the hearts of the leaders to where they, they don't have to attack, to attack another nation. God can do that. Don't say men's hearts are so hard. They can't change. Like I was saying, uh, for our people here in Langwa are so hard. They cannot accept the truth. Are they harder than God? Can they defeat God? Let's not cover up ourselves. Instead of evangelizing and witnessing the community, the community say, ah, people are hard. Pastor, the people are hard. It's not anywhere in the Bible that God doesn't have elects in this region. Or we are the only elects in this place. So the rest are goats or tares. No. It's not written anywhere. And because we do not know, we have to fulfill. The Bible says the revealed things belong unto us and our children. But the, those which are not revealed belong to God. Those which we do not know, we really do not know. We have to do the will that is revealed to us. What is that will? The Great Commission. We have been, it has been laid down for us. Has someone seen that scripture? Like a river of water. Go direct. Oh. No one has a concordance. God can soften. Whether it is a war, God can soften the neighboring countries. Hmm? that are so hard, even whether the heads of states in those countries are so hard, God can soften the heads of those states, their hearts, to whereby instead they end up seeking for peace. Let's go for, okay, let's come at a round table. Whether it is Rwanda and Uganda, God can soften the hearts of the heads of states and the people who are concerned, and they will come to a peaceful agreement. God can do it because he is in control. Ours is to pray. Don't say man's heart are so hard that they cannot change. Remember we are believers. Let's not make our God small, as if there is a heart of any man that God cannot change. There is no one, however hard a man is, God can turn the man of that, the heart of that man. Even a boss that everyone fears, 
God can touch the heart of that boss and soften it by the time you go. Because God wants you to achieve his will or to accomplish his holy ends, God will soften that man's heart or that lady's heart to whereby by the time you go, she just, you, God just favors you in his sight or her sight. And then when you come back and you say you have been granted permission or you have been given that offer, my God, all the fellow workers wonder at you and say, how have you approached that hardy man? It's God. Let's not make our God small. God can allow certain conditions to come our way, maybe in order to save us. It's not because God can't deliver you or heal you or heal some people. It's not because God has no power to heal some people and yet he has power to heal others. No. Maybe God has permitted that condition to come my way in order to deal with, to work on my spirit to the point that I can now bend to do the will of the Father. Mm. Because God has all the power to deliver me and to heal me. God is not too weak when to come. He's only me with. That's why some people, because you have seen, the other one was sick. He prayed or he went to a hospital and was healed. Then for you, you are not, your condition is still persisting. Then you begin asking God questions. God, why me? Why me? Why me, God? Why me? If you can heal others, why me? Why me? You can never ask such questions to God. Can he, there's a scripture that says that I quoted in my speech that can the potter say, what have you formed? That's another scripture. Where is that? Dawson give me that scripture. Can the potter, can the clay, this, that man who fashions the pot can decide to make one pot with the two mouths, then one pot with only one mouth. He can decide to make another pot to be a flower pot in the president's office, while another pot is for to be taken in the bar or where people are drinking. People to use it for what? Uh, tubes. And the people be continue hitting it. That from the same clay. Give me that scripture. Oh my. That's why I keep telling you, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Because it's important. If you, the, 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 the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When you are ignorant of God's word, you can be swayed by any circumstance. You can be taken anywhere. And you believe that what man says because you don't know the word of God. Those are scriptures that should really uh, encourage us. Declare. You cannot question God and say, oh, what have you done? Why have you made me this? No one has seen that also. Look for it, tell us. Oh my, those are scriptures that I have not put in my notes. But they will help us in this lesson. Hmm? 
The clay cannot complain and say, ah, for me, I made me uh, to be just a wide pot with a wide mouth for people to be drinking out of me. Moreover, yeah. and yet you have made the other one to be a nice, a nice pot, uh, holding a fl nice flowers in the presence office. Yeah. The clay cannot do that. What's that? Romans chapter. Let's move away from Acts chapter 4 and we come to Romans. You say, which chapter is that? Nine. Romans chapter 9. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 9, verse. Uh, Verse 20 here, if we can back it up from verse 20. Nay, but all man who art thou that replies against God, shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Mm -hmm. Can it complain? Verse 21. Let's already verse 21. You open your Bible and read. One, two, three, we go. And to honor, and to another who dishonor. Hmm? God has all the power to do that. You don't ask God, why me? Why me? Why me? God, we are doing this to the other one. Why not me? There are certain questions that you can never ask God. As a child of God. So back to Acts chapter 4, verse 28. The verse of scripture tells us for to do, these people were gathered together for to do whatsoever God, whatsoever God's hand had determined to do. God had determined what was to be done. God didn't blend himself with the unfolding events of history. So whatever is happening in the earth, God created history. Nothing happens to you or to me that God did not decree or permit. Like I was saying, whether it is wars, God absolutely has the power to soften the hearts of the, of the instigators of that war. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that happens. Brother Lloyd Elgudin used to say that even a, a rattling snake, even when it makes noise in the rocks, God knows that is there. Before it even hits you, God absolutely knows. If we permit it to hit you, it's because of a certain purpose.
which we may not know. Whether it is sickness, malaria cannot just get you and God is not aware. Whether it is whatever condition, if God allows a certain condition to come your way, maybe that is to work on my spirit. Like Brother Joko told us here, God is working both the congregation and he was working in the life of the pastor as well. It's not because God can't deliver us or God can't heal you. It's not because God becomes weak when it comes to your turn to heal you, so now God is weak. God has now lost his strength. Oh, God is now tired. Such vocabulary is only for man, but not for God, not with God. He's all-powerful. Whether it is a famine, whether it is floods in Imbale, or in Kasese, or in Mukono, or in whatever region, God knows. And he allows that for a purpose. All those are to accomplish God's holy ends. They are to accomplish God's holy ends. Probably those are the, uh, the events that God allows in order to wake us up. Then we begin praying. Hmm? Then we begin crying to God. God, save us. That's when we remember that there is God. If you have ever moved in a bus, when a bus looks like it is going to fall, that's when you hear people calling on God. Eh? Say, hey, so now this is the time. Many, many times we remember God when we are in a fix. But when things are all going well around us and with us, our children are doing well, nothing, fees has been paid, bills, are, you are paying your bills in a time and nothing seems to be bothering you. You are living a life without stress and all that. You really feel you are on top of the world. You are on top of the situation. You cannot pray to God. So, God sometimes allows certain things uh, to make us return to him. That's why uh, one, one thing is the COVID-19. Mm -hmm. God has allowed this to come our way in order for us to turn to him and cry to him. God has the power to stop COVID-19. Is God powerless because COVID is there? Has he lost his power? Absolutely no. Oh, he doesn't know what is going on in the world. He's all aware. The Bible says, known unto God are all, all his ways, all, nothing. That happens that God does not know. So, he has power to stop this pandemic, but yet he's still here with us. He knows what he's doing. As man, we have to do as children of God. Let's go beyond ordinary people who do not know God and continue pleading with God, asking God, while having flashing a torch in our lives in comparison to the word of God, 
Where could I have gone wrong? What could be the problem? Where have I gone astray? God, I would like to draw closer to you. There are some people who draw closer to God as a result of, of this pandemic. Eh? Others return, tried to return to God, whereas others say, it, it started say, continue saying there's no God. If God was there, this would not have happened. Mm. But he intends for his children to return to him. There's nothing too hard for God. What we can't do, God himself has the power to do it. There's no need to doubt God. But all that is happening is working out his holy ends. Will there be a feminine and God is not in it? Absolutely. God sees all that. History is not what will come to pass, but rather history is what God has purposed to bring to pass. In other words, As God is a child, if you can have this knowledge right, you are in the greatest position of, a, of an individual on the face of the earth. Because nothing is happening to you by bad luck. God is in the control. In every unique place, God is there. Proverbs chapter 16. Let's read verses 1 to 4. Proverbs chapter The book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verses 1 and 4. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit thy ways unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. You can say, oh my, that is so awful. Why could God allow such a thing? God has permitted it. Before you speak, even before it comes out, those words already God has known them. This is what this verse of scripture is telling us. 
This shows that God can exert a directing influence upon man. You can plan and go ahead, but all you will be doing is the bidding of God. Every one of us is doing the bidding of God. God has all the power to do his will. You always end up with a job or with a skill or with a profession that God has permitted you to, to do or has planned for you to be or to do. Some of us can harden on certain things when it is not God's will at all. It is not God's will at all. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. You can try. But if that is not what God wanted you to, you will end somewhere as much as your strength can take you and you still calm down. God can allow certain things to happen. Eh? Just to align themselves to fulfill his holy ends. Absolutely. God allowed some of us to stop in certain classes we stopped because of his own purpose that we didn't know at that time. Now, some of us can confess, if I had reached university and gotten my own job, there are some people who do not be greeting. And that is true. There are some people when they reach, just a little higher, other people become rubbish to them. And God, with his plan of saving you, he knows that would, would lift you up so high to ever you forget him. He says, okay, before you are going to stop here. We had a, I had my OB, I think one of my OBs who repeated P77 times. He could not go beyond that, 70 times. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then he lifted up his hands. He said, ah, I've tried. Now, who do now argue with that? Whether his father, his father, every year the father was still paying what? School fees for the same class. You can imagine such a situation. The boy really wants until he finally confessed, I think I've reached a dead end. And that's all. He had to look for something else to do because he was already a mature man. Praise our God. May the Lord have mercy on us and save us. 
This lesson helps us to acknowledge God in all things. And not only acknowledge God in all things, but also giving him all the glory. Knowing that a God, you are a God. Me, I am man. I can only do that which God has permitted me or wanted me to do. And nobody can threaten your life and say, you, you, you don't know who I am, like I was, was saying yesterday. This year you will not finish it when you are still alive. Nobody has that power. It's only God that can permit one to take your life because it is time for you to die. Only God can permit that. But nobody can threaten and say, you have only this. If you don't die this year, then I'm not so and so the son or so and so the, uh, from a such and such a clan. Mm -mm. If you're a child of God and you believe in God's word, be rested in God's word, continue serving him, and nothing will happen to you unless God has permitted it to come. To God be the glory. Amen. Everybody says, Amen. Well, we will continue from there. Here I have a card that I would like to read.